show, and uh, this is certainly a topic I know uh, we talk about it at the dinner table with my family, uh, with friends, people in in my age bracket, uh, early 30s, certainly have a hard time when you think, how are you going to get into the real estate market? This city uh, certainly has changed uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how much it costs to get into the market. But I will say that uh, this has always been uh, one of those expensive places to live. It's not, uh, you know, it is not a cheap place to live. Um, But when we look at the situation and uh, we look around us, I think there is a tendency to want to blame someone, something for the situation. And, um, you know, obviously there are the targets that come up quite frequently. Uh, Foreign buyers is one. Realtors is one. The government is one. Um, Often we don't look at ourselves and and the roles that we may have played, Um, you know, maybe not myself particularly, but there have been a lot of people making a lot of money in this market, this hot market, for many, many decades. And joining me to sort of talk about this this blame game that's going on is Don Campbell. Don is a senior analyst with the Real Estate Investment Network and joins me in studio. Welcome to the show, Don. Wonderful to be back. Thank you. Now, you know, it's easy, right, to 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 want to, and I think it's human nature when something goes wrong or a situation is difficult, we want to find someone or something to blame for the situation. I think psychologically, we all like to blame something or somebody else for a situation. And I and, and the problem with that, of course, is it leads us to getting rid of any responsibility of coming up with a solution. Because once you've identified a target to blame, then you go, see, wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have to think about an actual solution. And the hard work comes in the thinking of a solution. And so blaming... I know it's the old Don Quixote story. You know, we're running around. I, I went back over the last two years of all of the different things that have been blamed, uh, blamed for the Vancouver housing market, and it's incredible. And each one is almost like a mini trend. Yeah. No. And 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 so how? What do we do to sort of move away from this? You said, you know, highlighting solutions or or focusing on how we can fix that. I think whenever we talk about solutions, the easiest way that or a thing that comes to people's mind is, you know, isolate who's to blame and then fix that, fix that problem. That's certainly, you know, what we're seeing as part of the rhetoric. I know uh, we saw this town hall that was held recently by by David Eby and the NDP. And there certainly seems to be, um, you know, here are the bad guys. Here's who we need to blame. Once we fix that situation, everything will be hunky-dory. That's right. And and I think that um, if you step back a little bit, I think the, the number one thing that most uh, of us in, in Vancouver need to do is stop getting caught up in the frenzy of chasing and looking for monsters. And what we need to do is start thinking and pushing back. Whenever we hear anybody going, well, it's the blame in the vacant condos or it's the foreign investors. I have one, one person arguing with with me yesterday saying we need more affordable housing but they can't have densification and you know we we have to get back to some level of logic and discussion and i don't know um any of the leaders that are stepping into it and stirring the pot up there's obviously a hidden agenda in that conversation i think that we need to be very clear that that vancouver is an unbelievable city in which to live Mm -hmm. we have 
uh, policy that is an agriculture land reserve that that stops our sprawl, thank goodness, and keeps agriculture close, which is something that we're, where we want. We have mountains, we have water, we have oceans, and we have rivers, and we have restrictions. So there is really, if, we're, if more of us are going to come in, there is only one way to go, and that's got to be up. And, um, and whether you like that or not, um, this is Vancouver, and this is what we're, this is what we're seeing. Well, it, it's interesting because we have this conversation, and we know one of the players who's who's certainly been vocal on this uh, topic has been the NDP and, and David Eby, and it's interesting because you know he's he's talked a lot about Vancouver real estate and what's to blame for the, the housing market. He also talks a lot about the Jericho lands, and you know there there's a pushback, and we've seen this uh, with questions about what's going to happen to the Jericho lands. Are we going to see a whole bunch of condos and and things go up, and people say, well, we don't want that in our backyard. But I, I agree with that there's this conversation that happens. It's like you want real estate prices to moderate, but you don't want to uh, increase densification. You don't want to see uh, us build up. Um, you sort of want to keep things the way they are and, and not have anything change. Well, it's also interesting to see that the the people, um, not all, and not everybody, let's be really clear, but the people who are stepping into this without solutions, just stirring it up, Nobody's calling them on their um, hypocriteness. Uh, for, like for instance, at Jericho Lands, if you, I am not suggesting this is the only solution because these have to be discussed, but if you did that, imagine how many different housing units and housing styles you could put on that land that would assist us in densification and allow people to live in Vancouver. It's an awesome place to live. I get it. But there, there, there comes a point where you've got low interest rates that are allowing people to buy. Um, you've got people chasing foreign investors when they don't even know the real number. You know, there's that, that, that latest, mm-hmm. I'm going to be polite, study that came out yesterday or the day yep. before that was saying 33% of all transactions are by foreign buyers. And then you read the study and it's, got a, it's a back of an envelope quoted by the guy who wrote the study, a back out of an envelope uh, conversation and and math equation and I'm going it's, well then why are we talking about yeah, this? Yeah, he he clearly says that this is an estimate yes. or a guess. Yeah, you know, and when you use estimate and guess, that's always problematic when we're talking about these situations. And I think what's very difficult in this conversation about Vancouver, I, I recently uh, did uh, had a look at new Canadian citizens, the mm-hmm. numbers of new Canadian citizens uh, in BC, and we're talking about you know twelve thousand new Canadian citizens from mainland China uh, over the past year. And, and so, you know, you look at someone and you say, okay, well, there's a foreign buyer. If they're a Canadian citizen, they're not. They're not a foreign buyer. And it's very difficult for people to have to get that. I, I find in this conversation, it becomes very heated and people just don't want to believe that that's part of what's going on. Well, it, it, it's, we've seen it throughout history. You know, my, my first property was 1980-something back in Mission, uh, Mission, British Columbia. And, you know, I should have bought 100 of them mm-hmm. uh, because they've, they've gone up in value. You know, my parents, the same thing, bought five acres for next to nothing in Abbotsford even. And, and, and now it's really easy, and you can see around the world, and you can also see the American politics starting to leak across the border into Vancouver in this conversation where it's polarized, Nobody wants to move from their position. And just because they look Asian, they could be third-generation Canadian. But 
people go, well, look at the lineup. It's unbelievable. Obviously, there's no no local Vancouverites buying. It is, it's turning into xenophobia, which is a real problem. And we have to stop that right now. Absolutely. Uh, I'm Charmaine De Silva. We are speaking with Don Campbell about what's going on uh, in the real estate market in this blame game. Uh, certainly, the, the easy way to look at the conversation. I would have to agree with John that we need to sort of switch the conversation away from the blame to what we can do uh, to deal with the situation or how how do we approach this differently. We're going to take a little bit of a break and we'll come back with more on this topic. And and if you want to weigh in on this topic as well, uh, please email me, Charmaine at cknw.com. You can tweet us at cknw uh, or you can phone us as well, 604-280-9898. We'll be back right after this. to the show and uh, we are talking about Vancouver real estate always a hot topic a lot of people want to want to weigh in on this situation and I've been uh, very lucky to have Don Campbell in studio with me uh, senior analyst with the real estate investment network and we've been talking about the blame game and and why that's where we want to go but I think you know it's easy to do that we need to shift the conversation towards, you know, what actually can we do mm-hmm. and what's the reality given the fact that, you know, this is a beautiful place to live. Um, it's an, it, you know, forget about just the outdoor beauty. The people here are really wonderful. Um, and multicultural. You, multi, multicultural. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a port city, gateway to Asia. Uh, we live in the perfect place, and I've you know I've traveled all over the world. I've lived in other parts of the world, and and I, I, I don't ever want to live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, you know, as someone in my early thirties, I also know that I likely will never own a single family <laughs> detached home, and I'm okay with that. That's right, and I think that that once again leads us to the reality of choice, and um, and Vancouver is, you know. It's funny to watch the hypocrisy that occurs. Like we celebrate that this is one of the top three most livable cities in the world, and then we get angry when people want to live in one of the top three livable cities in the world. And mm-hmm. and we we dis, we we discuss symptoms in the market all the time. We're not discussing what the what the actual disease is. We're talking all these symptoms. Oh, it's the government's fault for not doing this. And the study that's blaming 1986 politicians. How does that even forward the conversation? Because here's what's going to happen is 30 years from now, there's going to be a university study on the decisions we make right now. And they're going to look back and we're either going to be laughed at in that study from 30 years from now going, these guys didn't do anything productive. They just dealt with the symptoms. Or congratulations, the people in 19 or whatever it is, 2016, what year is this? 2016. Um, they did a great job of getting together and really understanding Vancouver, its needs, the demographics, the millennial demographic that's mm-hmm. coming. It's the same size as the baby boomers. Well, the baby boomers created this that we're looking outside the window here in Vancouver, and the millennials are the same size of cohort. So they're going to change the world as well. So we need to start thinking about them and how this market's going to go. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. I know some pe- a lot of people want to chime in on that. Uh, welcome to the show, Malcolm from West Vancouver. Hi, Malcolm. Hello, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, um, what do you think, uh, what do you have to well, say Mr. about Campbell, this? Well, Mr. Campbell, you are correct. Uh, and here's the, uh, I'll give you three points. That ALR has to be protected 
come hell or high water. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And no metro. And, and this is it. This has got to be protected from Port Metro Vancouver as well, because they're taking up. They want to take up more farmland as well. I lived in, and I'll call it, I'll be polite, the certain center of the universe for not, for 11 years, 1998 to 2009. I used to be able to drive to clients in Barrie. I lived in Etobicoke. And go up the 400, and where Vaughn Mills is, Major Mac, whatever, it was all beautiful cornfields and farmland. Not anymore. Now, they have started to get smarter in the city and gone up, but the problem is the urban sprawl has done the damage, and the, 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 uh, the, the traffic backups on the 400 are, they make uh, the, what we're dealing with in Vancouver minuscule. And that's why they brought in the Places to Grow Act, in, in, finally, uh, about you know, four years ago, to densify, and now all these smaller centers like Barrie, Aurelia even, are, having yeah. to, are forced to densify because that is a solution. Keeps well, the farmland you, safe. You've been, in, you've been in real estate long enough. When do pe- most people go out to look at a house or an apartment? They go on the weekend. Well, when is generally there's the least traffic on the weekend? So now they go and buy in Innisville or Georgetown or whatever the case may be. Oh, great, we got our new house. And then they have their first Monday morning heart attack when they're in traffic because they weren't going out at the time they'd have to. You know, I used to tell all my friends out there, go out there during the day so you know what you're going to deal with coming in in the morning or going out at night with traffic and make your decision after you've done that. Yeah, no, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for your comments, I, Malcolm. I, I appreciate them. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it, it's important to have these conversations because we often don't talk about the decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think Malcolm hit some of those on the head. You know, we participate in all of this. Um, and we have a hard time seeing how what we do and the decisions we make, where to buy, uh, you know, to buy or not to buy, um, how that plays into it. I, I, I mentioned uh, during the break with Don, um, had a guy who, who contacted us at CKNW and said, you know, he's in his mid-50s and he, he's from Vancouver and he hasn't, he can't afford to, to buy a home here. And my, my question to him is, what were you doing 20 years ago when you could have very well bought a home here, mm. uh, what choices were you making back then? Because I get it when my peers who are, you know, 32, 33, 34 say, you know, it's hard for me to, to be able to afford to buy a home here. I get that if you don't have help from family. Uh, I, I don't get how someone who's in their 50s uh, says that they don't have a home or, or haven't even bought a condo. If that's something that was important to them, to me, that that's a that's a question of choice. It, it- I think everything everything we do is choice, one hundred percent choice. And, you, and 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 something I, I did want to bring up that was re- really hypocritical is the obsession with flip this house. That kind of those kind of shows, whether it's the international or the local, we, people uh, love those shows where people get in there and then they make it pretty and they make one hundred twenty five grand and. And everybody loves that until it starts to happen in their own neighborhood, in their own city. And, you know, that's just one of the incredible – I've figured out 12 factors that are driving this housing market already. And I know there's a lot more out there because I don't know everything. And, um, and, but, but what I'm trying to do is just spark a real-life conversation. Get the politics out of it because pol- politicians will ha- try to hijack the conversation – Get the reality back in it. Let's not let's let's understand everything and every nuance. 
how do we how do we start renting out more condos? Hmm. Now that ought to stir up a lot of pot. Absolutely. You start to do that. Lots of questions. Absolutely. Now we're going to take a, a, a caller really quickly here. Uh, Harry, I know uh, in Victoria, you obviously, I think like a lot of people, are, are concerned about uh, the money coming in from overseas. I, I most certainly am. The fact of the matter is, you know, we keep on disguising the fact. The, the horses bolted the barn, quite frankly. We should have stepped in years ago dealing with these Chinese billionaires parking money in Canada. Why not? I saw a record the other day that from China, over $500 billion left China for real estate in various parts of, uh, of North America. I noticed, by the way, that great socialist Mike Harcourt did pretty well. He ends up uh, uh, selling a house for, what, $9 million. They had a whole bunch of bidders, all of them paying cash. Now, do you think that's Joe and Jill uh, Canada buying these houses? Let's, well, let's get real here. Yeah, th- thank you uh, for your for your co- call, uh, Harry. I know a lot of people probably agree with you, but Don, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people feel that way mm-hmm. about the the foreign money. We don't have a lot of a lot of details about that. Well, yet. here we are. We're 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 once again dealing with a a perception, and it is true. A lot of yeah, capital has absolutely. come out, and some of it's come here. Some of it's San Francisco. Look at Sydney. Oh my goodness, it's it's just the same situation as us. But here's, here's something we need to know. We don't have the actual facts and the numbers. And once we do that with everything, we can solve it. If we don't have real facts, we're just singing in the wind. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Don Campbell from uh, the Real Estate Investment Network for joining me on the line. I'm going to open up the calls a little bit later. I know a lot of you uh, want to talk about this, uh, but we are running up against the clock. I'm Charmaine De Silva. We're going to take a break for the news right now. Well, welcome back to the show. We are talking Vancouver real estate, and I know a lot of you wanted to weigh in on this. Uh, I know some of you were waiting, and we had the news, and so you gave up on us. If you want to call back, you can, 604-280-9898 or star 98 uh, on your cell phones. I'm joined by Don Campbell, who's a senior analyst with the Vancouver Real Estate Investment Network. And, and Don, I'm going to read an email uh, for you, and I know this is a criticism that we get sometimes when we have these conversations mm-hmm. uh, and this comes from uh, this email comes from Meg and she says uh, when you have a guest on whose whole job is investment in real estate then of course he wants to keep things the status quo I want to address that first of all because your job is not investment in real estate you are an analyst that's correct and and, and, I, and I hear that a lot and, and I'm okay with somebody having that perception but once again is it is it now everything that we say doesn't count I don't think so so I'm just I'm especially for the Vancouver market I am an analyst and I live here and uh, that's what I do I'm not making any money in the Vancouver real estate market I just be very clear I'm not a realtor or anything I just analyzing the direction yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's important for people to know. And and Meg goes on to talk about how, and I'm going to just read because the email's a bit long, just a few sort of portions of this. She says, we need to make Vancouver livable for people who actually pay taxes here. How will we pay for the future if those who live and work here can't afford to live here? And these are the solutions that Meg 
points out, do not allow cash transactions for real estate. Uh, only allow transactions that give a paper trail. Uh, you are only allowed to buy existing property, such as, house, such as houses that already exist, unless you live in BC and pay taxes or something uh, like the system in Australia. And she suggests looking at other countries that have done things to prevent their cities from being torn down. And, and Don, I, as someone who grew up here in Vancouver, and I have to say, um, I grew up here in Vancouver. Uh, my skin is brown. My family immigrated here. Uh, and I remember when we moved to the west side of Vancouver, um, you know, in the in the early 90s. And this was at a time when a lot of immigrants from Hong Kong and, and elsewhere were moving into the area as well. Uh, I can't tell you the types of comments I remember hearing from people uh, about the changing face of uh, of the city. And um, there's sort of this underbelly of xenophobia that I think exists. And right now we talk about people from Asia. 20, 30, 40 years ago, we were talking about people from Italy we were talking about uh, immigrants from Poland and elsewhere who who came and, and, and invested and look at look at uh, you know what's going on um, in terms of some of the big development families now all over the city. I think there is a, a, an element of that when we hear these comments, and we'll talk a bit about more about Meg's email. But let's go to the phone lines because I know a lot of people are waiting here. Uh, let's go to Michelle uh, in Coquitlam. Uh, Michelle, what do you have to say? Um, well, I'm, I'm like you. I'm of color. Uh, born and raised in London, England. Bought my first house at 21 in 1982. And things were different then. My children today, who've been raised here in Vancouver, don't have the same luxuries. But when I hear people talking about people coming in and the immigrants, and like you just stated, it goes in cycles. The next group of people who come in get blamed for everything that's happening. But what local people have to realize, it doesn't matter the color of the skin of the local person, but when you're then selling your house, and you have three offers on the table, and they're cash offers, and you decide to go for the highest bid, you're then also creating that environment that your children may not be able to buy. And in turn, you then take that money and you move out so far away, and you say, oh, we've got to get away from the city because of the so-called changing face, but you took advantage of the changing face, and it's money. And Absolutely. And most countries in the world don't live in large homes like they do in Canada and in North America. I'm, I was born and raised in London. I grew up in, you know, a home that was probably about a thousand square foot, and we were very happy. And a lot of houses in Europe, a lot of people in other countries in the world live small, live close, have a great sense of community. And therefore, even if land is, because we know God's not making any more land, but, you know, you don't have to have it big. Young people today seem to want it all on the day they walk into the house. They don't want to do any work to renovate. They want this house with a brand new kitchen. It's got to have granite. It's got to have this, have that, have the other. <laughs> and they max themselves out and they can't pay for anything. The old way of saving, buying what you can afford, buying that condo, buying the, uh, you know, the, the small studio, what have you, and then stepping up the ladder and just getting used to being disciplined, paying for a mortgage because you'll never get in if you don't start somewhere. Absolutely. You know what, Michelle, I thank you for your call. I I would have to agree with Michelle on that one, because I, I know I certainly have realistic, uh, realistic expectations about what I can afford uh, as someone in my early 30s in Vancouver. Uh, I'm content with the fact that, you know, I, I love living in the West End. Uh, we need at least two bedrooms. And so, you know, I likely am not going to be able to uh, afford the $700,000, $800,000 to buy. So, I'm going to rent and invest elsewhere, Don. Near well, well, 
Well, frankly, um, what she was spoke, speaking of are walkable cities. Now you've got LRT, you've got you know, you know, you've got in, in, in London, you've got the tube, you know, but but the densification makes it a, a walkable city. And the walkable city means that we have to have policies in place to allow stores and usable grocery and things mm-hmm. really close. I remember living in Yale Town and we when we lived in Yale Town, my wife and I, we had no stores anywhere. There was nothing going on except two towers. Yeah. Now you start to see that it's now become walkable. Yeah. And sometimes you have to sacrifice. I know it's not what people want to hear, but sometimes we have to sacrifice location. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I would agree with you, Don. But I know that uh, there's a lot of people who feel something needs to be changed. And I, I think, Bill, uh, you're on the line from Vancouver. Uh, you certainly want to see some changes in regards to foreign ownership? Absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter what color you are. You know, now you guys are talking about Asians, uh, you know, if, if you're an Asian-Canadian citizen, sure, buy a place here. But first of all, we need to get rid of foreign ownership. It doesn't matter what color you are, you know, or, or where you're from. Uh, that's an unfair uh, competition that, you know, uh, born and raised uh, Vancouverites are up against. We don't need that. All right. Well, uh, thanks for your comments, Bill. Uh, Don, I, I think part of the problem when people... You know, clearly you can hear uh, in Bill's voice there, there's a there's a sense of anger. I think part of the problem is right now we actually don't have the data. And a lot of times, and I have seen this, I know we had Vancouver Councillor Kerry Jang on. He was accused of being a, a, a foreign buyer. We don't have the data. Yeah, it's, it's really quite interesting that... Um uh, the, you know, the, the foreign buyer is the, is the one that's now getting all the attention, but we don't know who the foreign buyer is or how much money there is. We just keep getting these reports that are back of the, back of the envelope. I think once again, you know, I know, I know we have to wrap up, so let's, let's get clear, Vancouver. We're better than this as a conversation. We need to get back to getting the facts, dealing with the reality, and moving forward. And maybe tax isn't this only solution. Thank you so much, Don, for joining me uh, on the show today. That is Don Campbell. He's a a senior analyst with the Vancouver Real Estate Investment Network. Uh, We're going to take a break and we will uh, shift gears a little bit and and talk about, I guess, something that's connected to real estate and that's transportation and transit and some of the improvements that we need to see to make uh, this region uh, a little bit more livable. I'm Charmaine De Silva. We'll be back after this.